Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge on sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio, the Closers Inner Circle podcast edition. And this is me, Denise Griffiths, and my co-host, Ben Gay III. And if you've never heard us before, as noted in that introduction, Ben Gay III is a highly respected sales trainer, consultant, and author with over 50 years of experience. And he is known for his expertise in closing sales and has trained top industry professionals. I am a successful business strategist and a podcast host, and I love podcasting. So today, our goal together, I'm sorry, our goal each week is to bring a wealth of expertise and practical wisdom inspiring and equipping individuals for sales excellence and entrepreneurial express. Excuse me, I needed to choke there for a moment. Entrepreneurial success. Hang on a second. So in the world, let me try this again. In the world of sales, focusing on value rather than price is crucial. And any of us who have small businesses or we need to sell, and if we have a business, we need to sell something, whether it's a service, whether it's just an idea we need to sell. But customers often prioritize price when they're evaluating products and services. So Ben says that salespeople need to shift their approach. And by understanding and effectively communicating the value proposition, salespeople can close deals and build, again, this is very important, we've talked about it before, build lasting relationships. So in this episode, we explore why emphasizing value over price is going to help you capture customer attention. It allows for differentiation from competitors, and it drives profitability. So by shifting the conversation and the mindset, salespeople can make a significant impact and create win-win situations for both customers and businesses. Ben, welcome. It's good. I I love Wednesdays. I get to talk with you every Wednesday. I'm so happy. So happy to talk to you. The way you said Ben sounded like my mother was about to say Benjamin, which was never good <laughs> never good. And if there's a, a middle name, <laughs> I, you know, my name is Denise, obviously, but I honest to goodness thought that Denise is my middle name and Dam was my first name for the longest kind of time. <laughs> I get it. And the southern version of that is Dam, D-A-L-M-N. Yes. Down. Yep. Yeah. Or get out of the way, which is a whole, that's a whole nother sound. <laughs> We're not going to go down that road. But anyway, as usual, I have, I always have at least one of the closers books on my desk 
And today, as I mentioned, we're picking up from our conversation last week where we talked about pricing and values. So right now I have the closers part two open to one page, page 185. And the chapter title is one in the hand is better. And that there is a question mark. So what's with the question mark? Well, it, the question mark is a, a lot of people were taught that uh, once you have a sale, you don't mess with it. And I, I run into that myself from time to time, you know, let's not talk to them again. Now let's, ship it or show up or whatever versus reopening the bag of tricks. Uh, But in this, and therefore opening up the first sale for discussion again, which is not usually in the uh, salesperson's uh, favor. In this one on page 185, uh, one in the hand is better, question mark, as you said. Uh, It's talking about a technique that is quite effective in many, many cases, and that is, uh, let's say you have a a low, uh, maybe not a lost leader, I'm not a big fan of those, but a low-ball, stripped-down version. Let's say you're selling a car, and it doesn't have air conditioning, power windows, power brakes, whatever, Uh, and uh, that's sort of hard to believe today, but all of those used to be options, and there's still many, many options on a car. One in the hand. If you want it loaded, like you want that big, you know, now the, um, I mean, um, my cars have always had the the big thing in the ceiling that you open up. I can't remember what it's called (laughs) right now, but now they have the panorama. one. I was like, oh, I want that, but I'd have to buy a new car for it. So, no, I can live with my current, you know, opening in the top of my car my brain is shot but that's normal yeah one of our cars doesn't have the backup cameras it's before that or whoever ordered it didn't order the backup camera i don't know and i think of it every time i get in the car because i've gotten spoiled you put it in reverse look at the dashboard and if there's any small children or animals behind you or a tricycle or something you see you see and, um, and uh, I'm a little perplexed when I have to turn all the way around and and hope that the outside mirrors, the side mirrors are working properly and I've got them angled right and so on. But that that's a good example of sell the car. If you're going to know this that's, technique, that's, one in the hand is better. Sell the car. I'm sorry, we're getting a little feedback. Sell the car, the basic unit, as it is first. Nail it down. Uh, write it up. Agree on it. Handshake. Everything. And uh, so now you have that sale in your hand. And then, rather than trying to sell 50 different things in the beginning and confusing the customer, say, now, before I tell them to clean it up and bring it around, uh, there there are some options you might want to consider. I don't want you coming back in here in 30 days mad at me after you discovered that there was a backup camera available or there was a this or there was a that or what have you. So the theory is you have one sale done, wrapped up, the easiest one, the uh, low-priced one, the basic unit, and that's great. Congratulations. Now is the time. Uh, to upsell or to put on additions where it might have been confusing in the beginning to try and sell him, her, them, 
on 15 different options. We got the big option out of the way. That's buy the car. And now we're down to, uh, you were talking about air conditioning and being spoiled by it. In a section of a book I wrote for Jada Lewis Edwards, there's a thing called, very famous phrase, reduce it to the ridiculous. And uh, uh, in that, there's an example that I just thought of. I hadn't thought of it in years discussing air conditioning as an option in the South in those days, in the heat and humidity. Um, You say, by the way, uh, the air conditioning is just whatever. You're going to have this car on average X number of years. So what we're discussing here is not really uh, $500 or whatever it used to be, whatever air conditioning is today if it's not standard. We're not talking about $500. We're talking about do you and your wife really want to ride around sweating while saving 50 cents a day, which is what it comes down to, reduce it to the ridiculous. So the concept of uh, the one in the hand is really pretty simple. When when uh, feasible, there are some products and services this doesn't fit, but when feasible, sell and lock in tight the basic unit, the lower price one. Let him, him or her guide you. If they want something else and they already know about it, then add that to the package. But lock it down, whatever it is, and then say, in so many words, uh, before we wrap this up, and, and I don't want you coming back in here 30 days mad at me, there are some features that are optionally you just might want to know about. That's when you hit the tire, uh, the the backup uh, lights, the super multi-grip tires. Uh, you don't need snow tower tires year-round where we live, but you do need, because snow comes occasionally and Lake Tahoe is 30 minutes away, you do need uh, the tires that are good for day-to-day use on dry streets and uh, the tires that will pass the uh, snow inspection when you get to the policeman blocking the street. Uh, So that would be a good time to bring that up, for instance. But bird in the hand is better than uh, two in the bush is the basic concept. Uh, Lock down the basic sale, then add. And I don't mean semi-lock it down. I mean, you could get up from the table or hang up the phone and write it up. It's a done deal. And then you put on ads. You don't throw the whole thing back in the pot to be discussed again. You're just on uh, adding, adding on. Adding on. Right. So yeah, I see uh, that. I see that a lot in online marketing, which is where I live. And the the trend now seems to be yes, you're putting out a great product, whether it's you know a membership or whether it's a webin- webinar and they want you to buy something. But I'm seeing more and more people saying the value of the upsells or the gifts need to be almost better than what the, the product is. They have mm-hmm. to be so excited to buy to get the goodies that they're going to buy. Yeah, I almost subscribe to, uh, uh, I think it's called Bottom Line. I, I subscribe to it about every other year because <clears throat> I, I like their marketing. I like their style. But frankly, most of what they print I already knew because it's not the only thing I read. 
But so this is the year not to renew. And then they sent me an offer, and I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was my thought process was I don't want bottom line review this year, but I do want those five gifts they they just offered. Exactly. So, so, so I subscribe for a year that I really don't want to get. I think it was uh, three mastermind groups or something like that and two or three books that I hadn't read. Um, so that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. I didn't want the item, but I did want the extra stuff. When you're watching television I've been, and they make an offer of something I'm remotely interested in because I watch a lot of those commercials because I'm paid to review them and make suggestions and so on for some of my clients or steal good ideas from one company and offer them to another. And, of course, that happens to me, too. My stuff gets stolen. Uh, but they say blah, blah, blah for forty nine ninety five or whatever. <clears throat> and I and I look up because I'm waiting for, but wait, if you order now, you get the, the extender hose or the better nozzle or the uh, whatever. Uh, the but wait, I wouldn't order anything because they've conditioned us to do that till I heard the but wait, free shipping. I can order two units. Second one is half off. Uh, you know, offers like that. So you're absolutely right. And I repeat, bottom line, and if there are people who are listening today. I just re-upped and didn't want to and plan not to because the free gifts. And I know a little bit about the printing business. Free gifts didn't cost them four dollars, uh, and the, uh, including me in on a couple of mastermind groups didn't cost them anything. And I'll probably talk wow. probably some stuff to them. So, uh, because of the gifts, I bought something I really didn't want. And I find this right, right. And I've done the same thing. I will weigh the offer and say, mm, it's really not. You know, I've I've got something very similar. I already have a similar tool or, you know, an internet process that I'm using. So mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. not. But I'm like you. Yeah, I go listen. I want to know what they're selling. I want to know how they're selling it. And most, like all of us, I want to know what's in it for me. And more often than not, these days, I've noticed that what they're the primary sales is not what I'm really interested in. It's it's you know been done half to death. I've already. I've already got that information, but they do their homework and they figure out, okay, if these people don't want that, I bet they need this, that, and, the, and I'm like, oh, God dang it. And off I go. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I say bad words and then I put my credit card in there. <laughs> but oftentimes the the goodies, and they're not free, I mean, you know, they're, they're goodies, but they make more sense to me often than the, the actual program. So I yep. I get it. I get what you're saying. And the you know, look around your kitchen after you've been out of your family's home, your mother and dad's home for 10 years, you have every gadget and utensil you need in some form, maybe the basic thing or whatever. So when they sell you the uh, the new no nonstick fry pan that's better than the one they sold you last week and better than that before. And I was selling at Macy's Davison's in Atlanta. I was selling the first Teflon pans 
we had a demonstrator on the floor selling it, the first Teflon pans. And I think they were $4.99 for a nine-inch pan, no lid, no spatula. Uh, we sold those to you separate after you agreed you had the pan in your hand in the bag. Oh, by the way, do you have a spatula that works good on non-stick Teflon pans? Of course, they yeah, don't. Because, you can't uh, use metal. <laughs> it, it just came out, right? And uh, they were so fascinated by the product demonstration, they weren't thinking lid yet, but they will as soon as they cook the first thing at home. <laughs> So the spatula and the lid were extra sales. The Teflon pan was four ninety nine, but I laugh every time I see one of those come on. Now they got diamonds in them and this and so on. And I always turn to Gigi if she's with me when I'm watching, and I say, okay, we got 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 to get rid of all that crap. The Teflon has long since gone. Turned out it peeled off and had some poisonous. Yeah, <laughs> there was that. Yeah, we didn't know that. But the, but the gold whatever we bought last month is junk now, and the new diamond one is good. And I hesitate to buy that because next week the diamond one will be junk. Uh, so on, so it's you know the constant step up sale. But usually in those offers is, but wait, free shipping. We also got an eight inch pan. Uh, we'll we'll throw in the lid. That's worth eight hundred dollars alone. <laughs> I sometimes wonder where they get those prices for the add-ons. Yeah, but they're important to the sale. And then the clock over in the corner, six, five, four. They never say what it means, but time is running out. I guess. So you better pick up the phone and order now. Uh, and the other one I love, the new one is one of the garden hoses that expands and so on. <clears throat> There's a strict limit of three per order. I haven't tried it. I don't need even one garden hose currently. But I'm really suspicious that maybe the telephone rep wouldn't let me have four or six or something. But they throw in scarcity. So now I've got free shipping the the uh, super-duper uh, copper hose uh, that will squirt all the way to the upper window, just like your old hose did if you tried, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but you never thought about it that way. You go, oh, it goes, it cleans the second floor windows. Well, not very well, but the water no, goes it it. Yeah, it gets the windows wet is all it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and... I spend, I'm going to admit it, I have a problem. I spend way too much time on QVC. And I told my best friend who also spends way too much time on QVC because this is about the time of year we go, you know, Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, for June, I'm not going in there. I get a phone call. She said, where are you right now? I said, QVC. <laughs> <laughs> and we bought all this Christmas stuff for our neighbors, for our Family, it's like oh, gee, we do this every year, but there's free shipping, or it's on a wait list, so there's scarcity. <gasps> you know, and I get sucked in every time. And then I know I'm getting sucked in, but I really do want that product for my friend or for my neighbor, for my veterinarian. You know, so it's just like okay, fine. July, I'm not going in there. I've made a promise <laughs> to myself. Yeah, well, prepare to break it because that's when, that's when you that's when you people start shopping. I have a oh, note on my calendar: done. July, uh, Saturday, July first. Start 
uh, a reminder to me and to Gigi, who sells costume jewelry, vintage costume jewelry. It says July, uh, July 1st, Saturday, Gigi and me start promoting Christmas because uh, that's Christmas starts this Saturday. I Saturday. know, I know. So I tried to be good in June, failed miserably. So now I'm going to pretend <laughs> like I'm going to be very strong in July. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> but you know, no, all those, no. That good stuff. Like, oh, appreciate a, a lady that has taught Gigi a lot about marketing jewelry. I know nothing about jewelry. I have common sense sales and marketing skills, but I don't know jewelry. And this lady does, was QVC's top promoter. I won't give out her name oh, here, but you, you've uh, seen her many times. Now she runs her own business, selling her own things, and uh, for $49 a month or whatever it is, teaching other people like Gigi what she does and what she'd recommend and all. She's wonderful. And we were talking about the QVC offers, the extra special things. Because some of them, as a salesperson, really make me, and I mean this in a positive way, make me cringe like, I, I, I can't. I can't believe you had the audacity to say that. Or I know. But and I was friends right as you said it. I there's some I'm like, oh my god, ah, oh, what is wrong with these people? Do they talk like that in the grocery store? Stop it. No, I mean they don't. So Which fake. leads me to her answer. Uh, when I asked directly or indirectly through Gigi, I forget how it was. This was a year or two ago. Uh, can you really get people to say that? And she said, on camera, with no direct connection to the customer, certainly. We wouldn't be able to say it. We couldn't get people to say it face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, or even on with interactive uh, uh, Internet. It would be hard to defend. But when you're talking to millions of people and you only have to say it once and you get no immediate feedback, but you still get a 13% buy-in, you can afford to do it. It's like teaching somebody how to close the first time is most difficult because they think, oh, my God, they're going to reject me. I'll look foolish and so on and so Then they say it, the script or whatever, and the person buys. And you go, oh, huh, my life just changed. It's a perception. It's like, and we, we all have this. You know, oh, this is not going to work. We have this internal dialogue that really does slow you down or get in your way or even stop you. And I think it's important to, you know, when you have those moments, like, oh, that worked. Okay, let's do it again and do it again. Yeah, exactly. But take that moment to go, aha, that worked. Now my mindset is completely different, and I'm ready to go. I think I told you when I got thrown out of Holiday Magic Cosmetic meetings, this is multi-level marketing back in the 60s, he said I couldn't come back till I'd learned the scripts and therefore would be able to invite people because I'd been in the business six months and hadn't made a penny, had changed hands. So as a condition of being able to come to the meetings, I had to learn the scripts. Having learned the scripts and talking to people, I was talking to them before, but nothing was happening. Having learned the invitation script, I showed up at a meeting within a few days of having learned the scripts with five people. They gave the presentation from the front of the room, uh, precisely worded the script. 
And then it said, turn the film said, turn to the person who brought you here and ask how you can get started in holiday magic. Here's the point at which, well, A, I didn't have anybody to talk to, so it really didn't make any difference. But this night I had five people to talk to because of the learning the invitation scripts. Then I was afraid of closing. I don't remember the fear, but obviously I was because I wasn't closing. Um, I turned to them as the lights came up and went into the scripts. And then I said to each of them, pointed at my legal pad with the four circles on it, which position best suits your needs? That was part of the script. And all five picked the top position. Uh, Adjusted for inflation, all five picked the $50,000 expenditure. It was 5,000 in those days, but the $50,000 expenditure. I almost passed out. And, And all four of the five paid on the spot and the other guys, best I recall, a couple needed a few days to put the money together, but they came through. I made more money that night by having the courage to make a plan tested presentation. I made more money that night than I was going to make in the next year working for my father as a retail detail food broker salesman. Um, And so I was cured. I went from being a never closer to a killer closer in about 15 minutes because it works. I have to ask you though, I mean, by your own admission, you were revenue-free for six months. Why yep. did you hang in yep. there? Because we had put up our $5,000 that we right. didn't have. And I didn't, as I told Bill Dempsey when he said, don't come to the meetings anymore, you're depressing people. And I told you I'd never heard Ben Gay and depressing in the same sentence in my life. I'd heard Ben Gay aggravating, Ben Gay smart aleck, Ben Gay, <laughs> but never depressing. Uh, so, but we, I said to Bill, uh, that's nice, but we cannot afford not to come back. I got, you know, $50,000 laid out in today's money, uh, a room full of cosmetics, and uh, I had no way to get rid of them if I don't come to these meetings. So I, I had no choice. It's the way I got into selling, poverty and desperation. Mm-hmm. I was putting my, fir- my first wife through nursing school. And this little lad said, if you uh, know anything about marketing plans, want to make more money, dial this number. I dialed the number. I didn't know what a marketing plan was, but I, it was desperation. It wasn't inspiration or some grand plan. Uh, I was going to have to tell my wife in a few days, you can't go to nursing school anymore because I can't afford to put you through. <clears throat> so I took positive action to make it happen. And desperation is often what pushes it through. In the case of QVC, you have skilled marketing people who know what to say. I mean, some of their stuff is brilliant. And uh, But you also have the disconnect in that they don't have to have uh, the person look at them and say, that's nonsense, that's too much, I don't want it, get out of my face. They just say it once and let the percentages fall into place. Uh, so it removes it. Well, I've, on a personal basis in closing, I've removed it at the proper time. I say the proper things, and on average, 86% of the people never been able to get it significantly higher, hasn't been significantly lower in years. 86% of the people say yes. Now, 
that means, let's say I've given, I figured up one day, 100,000 face-to-face sales presentations, not counting groups of 5,000 or anything, one-on-one Bob and me looking at each other or talking to each other on the phone. I've given 100,000 sales presentations. Well, if I have an 86% closing rate, that means that 14%, that means 14,000 people said to me, no, thank you or I don't believe you, or I don't like the product, or I can't afford it, 14,000. But if you can separate yourself from that and from a helicopter view, see that you've got 86,000, then the 14,000 uh, just are part of the game. It's, you know, some will, some won't, next. It, it removes me from the process. When someone says no, uh, I usually know which way they're going to go in advance. I feel an atmospheric pressure change when I get ready to ask for the order. Uh, I know they're going to buy before they know they're going to buy because I've been through this. You know, they've been through it 50 times in their life. I've been through it 100,000 times. So I know the ground better than they know it. But by knowing that I'm going to get 86 to say yes out of 100 and 14 will say no, it removes me from the equation. I just get up and, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., when I used to love to watch him perform, he was such a wonderful professional. He didn't try and win everybody in the audience over. He went with the people who liked tap dancing and singing and excitement and so on. And out of a room full of people, there was always enough of those for him to walk off with a victory night after night after night for over 60 years. And would say, and I don't think anybody ever would, but if somebody said, did you notice the guy in the 18th row in the pink shirt? He never smiled, never laughed, never clapped. That's just part of the deal that comes in the package. So you got to get your process down to where it is the tool and if every nail doesn't go into the board with that tool that's fine and you can work to improve it i've made little shifts over the years with very product various products and services but i never change the system the system is first sell a quality product that's competitively priced spend your days talking to people who are qualified to do that religiously geographically monetarily whatever and uh, know your presentation, get it down tight. And if you get really guy, I have friends who do better than I do. I don't like to talk about them because it makes me look bad. <laughs> but I have friends who do better than 86%. And we all follow our proven systems. QVC has a proven system. Uh, and, I, and the folks who are working with us and listening to us every Wednesday, you need a proven, tested system so that you're free to go, oh, they said no, and I poked and prodded and so on, but they still said no. That's good. That's one of the 14 is now out of the way. Let's get to the 86 who are going to buy. Magazine salesmen over the phone in the old days, back when they sold magazines over the phone, they got one out of 10 people to buy with no resistance. I am the Time Magazine. Oh, I want to subscribe to that, you know, that type of thing. So nine out of 10 times they were turned down. They didn't even have comebacks. As soon as you put up any significant resistance, they hung up because they're going to get one out of 10 
with no resistance in a matter of seconds versus trying to get you to come over with a 10-minute presentation. So you got to know the game you're in. If you're playing softball, don't bring a tennis racket. Uh, Know the game you're in. Get good at the game. Trust the process and then ask for the order. And then first you sell yourself and then you sell the company and then you sell the product. And then you post-sell with all the things you promise that you will do for them after the sale. One of mine, if I'm in person, is I flip over my business card. Yes, I still go through thousands a month. They're in everything we sell. They're stuck in the book or whatever. And if you come to one of my seminars, as you walk in, every chair will have a business card sitting on it. But if it's one-to-one, I flip over the business card and tell them that here's my personal cell phone. You can always reach me or my voicemail, and I'll get back to you. You can always reach me by calling this number, which adds another value to the product. The other value is what's different about this product. With this product and no other product like it on earth, you get me. As I told a young salesman when he was writing up an order for a GMC Denali, he handed me his business card, and I said, where's your personal cell phone? He said, well, we don't put that on our cards. I said, you do, and your home phone number. Because when this thing doesn't work one day, I'm calling you. I'm not calling AAA. might also call them. I'm not calling your sales manager. I'm calling you. And you will answer and take care of any reasonable complaint I have. That's the only reason I'm buying this from you. And if you don't, we live in a small town, I will be your worst nightmare. Did he cry? Nobody wrote Nobody his phone wrote numbers numbers down. Down. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> yeah. He probably yeah. went you, you, home you, and sat down and said, what the heck just happened to me? <laughs> Saying that reminded me of my ear doctor. I don't think I've told you this. We talk about so many different things, but uh, my ear, I wear hearing aids, and my right ear was plugged up. Uh, The hearing aid wasn't helping. So I got an appointment with him, and he was the best ear doctor in town who I wasn't using previously, so I had to pull some strings to get into him and become a patient. So I told him, and he looked in my ear, and then I got out the tweezers, and he pulled out remnants of a or several Q-tips. And I've been told don't put Q-tips in your ear, but that, who else do they sell to? <laughs> That's what people do. That's what they do with Q-tips. If it was a federal offense to put a Q-tip in your ear, Q-tips would be out of business. Oh, I know. So or a anyway. little kid, they put them up their nose. So they do have uses. They really do. Yeah. But the main one is adult ears. And uh, which is highly recommended against. So anyway, he says, oh, you use Q-tips. Yes, I do. But the reason is I get water in my ears when I'm showering. I I go into my whole routine, which is Latin for I use Q-tips and I'm going to continue to use Q-tips. He said to me, and I thought, God, I wish I could get salespeople to think this way. He said to me, Mr. We were already on a first-name basis, but he was getting stern. He said, Mr. Gay, those ears are mine now. If I ever see any trace of a Q-tip 
having been in there, any continent at all, you're going to have to find another doctor. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and, and I haven't had a Q-tip in my ear since. And it drives I'm me crazy. With you know, they, yeah, I know, and when I get my ears wet, I'm like, Ugh. I will take a little blow dryer. I don't dry my hair. I don't have to. It's massively curly. It's going to do whatever it wants, so I let it be. <laughs> but I do have a little blow dryer that I have to go find every once in a while. And I'll train that on my ears if there's enough water in there that I can kind of hear it sloshing. <laughs> Like I am yeah. not sticking yeah. a Q-tip in there. Well, you won't, you won't with my doctor because with my doctor, you, you don't own your ears. He owns your uh, ears. If he's go- and I understand his attitude. I really do. If he is in, you know, your ear care is in his charge. Right. You better, you better listen to him if you trust him, if you think he can be trusted. You know that he knows what he's talking about. He's not trying to spell you something that you don't want, like, you know, new hearing aids. He, You're right. He's right. I mean, you're in my care now. Do what you're told. Nobody gets hurt. Right. <laughs> no. Step away from the Q-tips and no one will be hurt. Right. Well, he got my attention. As we say in the South. No one ever explained it to me that way before. Yeah, but once it gets explained to us, we go. Uh, look, I yep. come. Yep. I like to think that I'm the smartest person in the room, and I can say that I am, with complete and total honesty, because I live alone. I am the smartest person in the room, <laughs> and I entertain myself with that thought quite a bit, as you can imagine, because I'm also the biggest smartass in the room. But honestly. Somebody will say something. It's like you know, I knew that, but it never it never landed. Now it mm-hmm. landed. Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. it is. It wasn't the first anti-Q-tip speech I'd ever heard. I've been hearing them since I was a teenager going to the doctor, and uh, never put anything in your ear ear bigger than your elbow. And if you try that after we hang up, you'll discover that it's rather difficult anyway. <laughs> so. Uh, but he's the one after all these years who cured me in just a couple of minutes. Those are my ears, and if you put a Q-tip in them, you're going to have to go find another doctor. And he knew the grief I'd gone through getting to him. Oh. Now, I have to ask, you know, Q-tips I get, but what about cotton balls? Because I use those. I use them on my cats all the time to clean out their ears. I think I don't know. I'll ask him because I'd be afraid. Ask of him. Ask him. He, I need if, to know. Yeah, if because if he found cotton ball lint in my ear, he'd assume it was a Q-tip, and I would be doctorless, uh, and I don't want that to happen. But what he said was Kleenex on the end of your finger, not twisted up and jammed down in your ear. Just if Kleenex on the end of your finger. Uh, won't work, then come back and see me at your next checkup and we'll fix it again. So he was rather adamant. Oh, and I said, can I use my small finger? I was looking for any edge I could get. He said, yeah, you can't, you can't get your small finger in deep enough to do any damage anyway. Unless you have really long, thick nails, then you can hurt yourself. So don't do that. Oh, yeah. I don't have really long, thick nails. No. <laughs> I pound the keyboard all day, every, 24-7. I go through about three keyboards a year. I'm not kidding. 
So no fake nails for me. But let's talk. This is fun. We get, we get off on the weirdest tangents. But it's important that when you're talking with somebody, when they're talking with you, and they've got something that really needs to land on you like your doctor did, you may have to get a little bit terse, a little bit stern, but it lands. And sometimes that is the case in sales. I mean, you don't always want to be wishy-washy, tiptoeing around. One one I found a long time ago when I'm working with a potential website client or an agency, my digital agency client, I'll just flat out ask them, is this what you want to do? You know, are you ready to move or do you need to talk with somebody else? Can I refer you somewhere else? And I will refer them. But I will mm-hmm. just flat out, if I have to, and that actually I don't often have to because they're like, when do we start? But every once in a while I'll have to say, okay, this is going on too far. I'm getting bored. And and you can tell <laughs> if you're getting bored and you're having to start maybe repeat what you've already, it's time, move on. Are we going to do this or not? And I'm not saying be that that rude or that crude, but sometimes you just have to lay that line down in the sand. It's like, this is where we are. What are we going to do? Yeah, the positive version of that is on page 257 in the Closers Part 2, Sales Infiltration, where you set up the process in advance. You set the table, and you get permission to be direct and blunt first, and then they don't understand the significance of that until 15, 20, 30 minutes later when you pull it. You know, you, you cock the gun at the beginning, and you pull the trigger when necessary, and that lead in, and it's most of my uh, uh, magic closes. I did all the heavy lifting up front, but my magic close is, Denise, based on what we've discussed, uh, here's what I suggest we do. Fair enough? The only variation I ever use on that is, Denise, based on what you've told me, here's what I suggest we do. Fair enough? And you you hear people who are resisting 15 seconds before say, yeah, that's fair enough. At worst, they have one more question. It smokes out the last question and or gives you the right once again to ask the final question. And what is the final question? Well, whatever oh. it, whatever is holding them back. And if you've really been okay. listening, you know what that is. Or they know what they've been holding back. They know they, they don't like, they don't, they know they don't like green cars. You know, but that sounds sort of silly, so maybe they've withheld that. The only thing holding me up is I can't stand green cars. Fantastic. Is that the only thing holding you up? Yep. Well, let's go out on the lot and find you one with all these features that isn't green. Easy to solve. But I got to right. find out they don't like green cars or else there's no, I don't know what to take them out on the lot for. Here's something that you and I have talked about. I can't remember now if it's been on the radio or if we just, during some of our, our conversations, because as the world knows, you, I have five favorite people in the world. You're in the top two, and no, I'm not going to say who's number one right now. It switches. Sometimes you're in spot one, sometimes you're in spot two. Yeah, I, I want to be fair. But anybody who knows how to speak with their clients or their potential clients or somebody buying a car or somebody trying to buy a lawnmower, 
off of you, off of Nextdoor app, you know, you can tell, you can sense when they're just not going to. They're not interested. You're not a good fit for them. Your product may be a good fit, but you're not for some reason. I pick that up pretty quickly. And that's when I'll say, listen, we're probably not going to be the best value for you given, you know, the information you've given me. But can I refer you to some of my colleagues who might be a better fit? And the relief is like, oh, yeah. Now they're loyal to me whether they ever work with me or not because I really do genuinely want to help them. Absolutely. And it's not just the sale in front of you. It's referrals, future business, their situation changes. When I bought my first new car in 1962 Volkswagen, he was trying to sell me a Carmen Ghia, which was sort of a poor man's Porsche. Well, the Volkswagen uh, was $1,842 out the door. The Carmen Ghia's best, I remember, was five or 6000 which was four to 5000 more than I had or could borrow. So trying to sell me because he sensed rather quickly that talking to me about the Carmen Ghia was a waste of time and effort. So he let me buy the Volkswagen. But about a year later, I bought my first new Cadillac. And then mainly for a contest to give away, I bought and or leased, uh, as of today, a little over 600 luxury automobiles, Rolls Royces, uh, Stutz Bearcats, a few hundred Cadillacs, a few hundred Lincoln Continentals, and so on. So it's not just that sale. If he and, and all those other cars, the other 600, were bought from just two people, two salespeople. You got all that business. One in the little town I was in, San Rafael, California, and the other one where we moved up where we are near uh, near uh, Lake Tahoe now. Uh, if the Volkswagen salesperson had understood that eighteen hundred and forty dollars was not the end, should not be the end of our relationship, he would have sold six hundred cars. And because you don't have to be a Cadillac or Lincoln guy, they have connections and they do swap outs and so on. Uh, many of the Cadillacs I bought, both Rolls Royces and the Stutz Bearcat, all came from a Lincoln. Uh, dealership in uh, San Rafael. So the I would love to find that salesman. He was good. He got $1,840, $42 I probably shouldn't have spent out of me. And I drove away a happy camper in my little VW Bug. But if he'd really been sharp, and you don't have to guess who's who's going to become what or who's going to do what, just be good to everybody. Give them all your card. Send them all a Christmas card. Send them all whatever you're going to do for your best customer. Do that. We would have stayed in touch. I would know his name now, which I don't. Uh, it was Bill Spring uh, Volkswagen. I remember the name of the dealership. But what his name was, I don't know. So he missed out on over 600 luxury cars, which I promise you is more than he sold in his career before he died or retired. Right. And the thing is, I mean, if you come across, and I think we're both really stressing this, if you come across a sale, for whatever reason, it's not going to work. And probably it shouldn't work. Because what will often happen, and particularly in my world, if you force a sale, now you've got to live up to the hype. 
and sometimes right. you can't. Right. And then you've got a ticked off customer, and we all talk ugly. You know, the minute we're mad about something, everybody's going to know about it. Ask me about LG Global. Don't buy an LG refrigerator, y'all. Just don't. <laughs> so now you know. <laughs> don't ever do it. thing is, once you've made that sale, you're like, oh, good. You know, $10,000 just came into my bank account. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I have to. I promised a bunch of stuff that I can't really do. Now what? And then you find yourself backsliding or avoiding the client. And I'm not talking from experience. I've seen this from people I've coached and mentored and said, sure. what do you mean? you sure. Well, I needed the money. You didn't need it that bad because now what's happening to you? So now you yeah, set yourself know. up to really get a bad reputation from here, there, and yonder, and it's going to keep following you. So just express what the value is, and if your value isn't quite what they need, find them help because they will come back. Yep. I've had clients yep. come back, or they're now clients, Denise. I'm so grateful that you knew I didn't have the money. You knew I didn't. I couldn't really afford what you offered, and it was, you know, I just wasn't where I needed to be to work with you, but I'm back. And that happens quite a bit. You'd be surprised. Yep. yep. It happens more yep. than you know because not everybody says it but they're back and five other people that you didn't know came from them came to you because they heard the story. I have friends who make up statistics to write articles with one in particular I'm thinking of, which is a legendary statistic quoted by everybody attributed to Harvard and so on. The truth is Ray Considine and Wade Cannon made up the statistics when they were writing a sales article for a marketing magazine and they said they wanted more facts, figures, and statistics. So over some bourbon one night in the legal pad, they wrote down, you know, 42% of the salespeople never make a second call and and so on. And they, they were figures they said they felt were about right based on their experience, but it was never a study. It was just made-up stuff. And I see it quoted everywhere. Almost every week I see some version of it, and I think about Wes and, uh, and Ray Considine, uh, I think of them and how they went to their graves laughing about the statistic. I said all that to say this. When you offend or don't handle a customer right or whatever, probably made up by somebody who knows the business pretty well, except they'll tell 17 people. They'll aggressively tell 17 people that in so many words, you can't be trusted. If they're really happy with their deal, they'll tell one. So when That's you're, true. When you're, Until they when know you're, somebody that needs you, and then they'll say, oh, hey, go talk with Ben, or go talk right, to Denise. Right. It's not a subject of conversation until there's a need. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the, uh, so anyway, you're spot on. I totally agree with you. Uh, one, I had a note, and I don't want to have us disconnect without having brought it up. I have it in quotes. The other thing I do with pricing is, first of all, I set the price. I test the price. I know what our costs are, et cetera. And once I set it, that's it. It doesn't mean it won't change over the years, but that's where we start, and it's not negotiable with any single customer. So if you're listening to this, here's a new word for you. My prices are pre-haggled. 
In other words, I like I, that. I, I like, uh, yeah, I like your widget, and you're asking $99 for it, and I'll give you 89 I really appreciate that, but my prices are pre-haggled. See, I, what I really wanted was 150 but if I'd asked 150 you would have countered with this and then back and forth and back and forth, and we'd settle on $79. So I saved us all that time and trouble, pre-haggled, non-negotiable. But the good news is I'll stand behind it. Here's my personal name, phone number, blah, 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 uh, and so on. So add pre-haggled to your inventory, your vocabulary. I just wrote it down. I love that. And, you know, here's the thing. When people will come to me or they'll come to you, and I wanted to ask you about this. I've been wanting to ask you, and, you know, as always, I think, oh, I'm going to ask him the next time, and then I forget. So my brain is probably in the kitchen right now. I don't know what it's doing over there, but it's <laughs> not in here with me. <laughs> Busy. <laughs> so, But people will often say, well, I just can't afford it. Right out of the shoe, I just can't afford it. And you always want to say, well, why are you talking to me? You know, why do do I need to convince you? What is going on? What's you know? Are you just trying to harass me? Because sometimes that does happen. But the thing is, there are always going to be people. You are not going to be their cup of tea. You need to learn quickly, like the magazine guy said. Yep, cutting you loose. Thank you for your time. You have a nice day now, year, and you get away from them. <laughs> And be polite about it, by the way. You have a nice – when we say you have a nice day now, we mean just go away. <laughs> go away now. <laughs> the magazine people didn't even have a nice fade away. They just hung out. I, I kind of like that. <laughs> but still, when you can sense, and if you're paying any kind of attention, and if you are selling from your heart, you're selling from a place where you really – genuinely believe that you can be of service that your product is a, a great value whatever it is that the power that you're working from if you truly believe in what you're selling you can tell you can instantly almost tell when somebody is just going to be there to harass you or give you a hard time or you know try to pick your brain which happens a lot too and, you know, just be aware and be polite and say, well, listen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go now. And you hang up the phone. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm with you 100%. And that's in social situations as well as buying situations. I can tell yeah. when a conversation has gone on too long with Gigi and one of her friends, uh, she'll start saying, well, I'm going to let you go now, <laughs> which is we're through. Love you. Right. We're through. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that too. So, all right. I'm tired. Got to go. Bye. <laughs> I'll take, oh, I'm done. <laughs> People who know me don't get all upset. They're like, well, she's finished. <laughs> I'll talk to her another time. Okay. I wanted to, ooh, we've got about five minutes. You have a mentoring program that you and I have talked about, and you mentor me all the time, whether you know it or not, you have done so for years. But you have a, a dynamic mentoring program that I want you to, to tell people about. Sure. It was what Dr. Hill and I were putting together when he was my mentor. I was his last protege before he died. And uh, we were putting together a program called Mentoring Dynamics similar to a couple of other companies I had, Leadership Dynamics, which was a self-improvement type group, and uh, Mind Dynamics, which was sort of a spinoff of the New Age 
uh, Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet type thing, and Est and all the other companies that followed the people that most of those companies worked for us in mentoring dynamics or uh, leadership dynamics or mind dynamics. So anyway, when he died, I don't know why, uh, looking back, because he died over 50 years ago, I just never did anything with the concept, I guess because I felt like it was Dr. Hill was the draw in those days. And if he wasn't there, why are we doing it and so on? Because we planned to bring you to California, spend 10 days locked up in our favorite hotel out here with Dr. Hill and me and a couple of other well-known teacher types and certify you to be a mentor, a certified mentor with mentoring dynamics. So after all these years, I got back to it. I've used the term, but I haven't really done it. I didn't make it official. I just talked to people because I like talking to people. Uh, Gigi one day said, you know, if you charge for all that time you spent helping people, uh, we'd, we'd be in an even better situation. And I probably put up some little resistance, but it dawned on me she was right. So I put a name on it, Mentoring Dynamics, and a price on it. And what I offer to people in that program is I'm your Sherpa. A Sherpa is the one who at Mount Everest has been up the mountain 85 times. This isn't new for him. It's Wednesday. It's just another day at the office. The Chinese, I believe it is, have a saying, if you want to know what's farther down the road, ask someone who's coming back from it. They've been down the road. So what I offer is I've been at this a long time. I've owned my own business for over 60 years or been the top of somebody else's business. I've seen it all. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've seen the victorious moments. I've seen the absolute defeats. And uh, so I'm the guy coming back up the road. If you want to know what's down there, I can cut 20, 30 years off your learning curve. And uh, as Dr. Hill did for me and a few other wonderful mentors along the way did for me. So I now do it for other people. And it's not fancy or scripted or charts and graphs and study things. I might tell you to read a book because of what you just said. That book would help you. But it doesn't come with five books in a box and, and so on. <laughs> it comes with my experience. It's like we were talking about earlier. It comes with my business card with my personal cell phone written on the back, and they can call me whenever they want. Oh, and the other thing is, I know we're running out of time, it's not every Thursday at 3 o'clock or every Tuesday at 10 a.m. It's when you need it. And if you don't need me for a month or two, no hard feelings. Your retainer sits there untouched. And if you need me for a five-minute question, I probably won't remember to write it down. But if I do, I just charge you the hourly rate broken down by the the few minutes. So that's pretty much it. I, you can put Ben Gay in your hip pocket if that's of interest to you. And I can be of help if only because I've been down the road and I've been to the top of the mountain. Well, I probably should not admit this. Why do you think you're my co-host? I get it. I get to talk with you. <laughs> you answer questions and... I can do this any, I can do it on Wednesday, I can do it all the time. This is why you're one of my favorite people in the world. I mean, you really are one of my mentors. I am not kidding. Well, that's very sweet of you. And you, mine. With your your southern accent, and I know you say it's not a southern accent, but it is. Uh, With your sweet southern accent, I had to assure Gigi 
that ours was a business relationship because she said, you seem to really like her. And I said, I love her. <laughs> she is my kind of people. <laughs> and, you know, Gigi and I chat back and forth on Facebook, and you know, we like what each other's doing. We're friends. I think Gigi is fabulous, and you can tell her that. Well, listen, everybody, we're going, we are out of time. So thank you for joining us today, and I really hope that you found our insights and our chats, you know, just reminisce, whatever it is that we're talking about, valuable and inspiring. So stay connected with us. This is my ask. Stay connected with us, and be sure to follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes or really wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere on the Internet from Audible to Apple to everything in between. And this is important. We welcome your questions about the work that we do and the knowledge that we love to share. So please feel free to ask your questions, social media, grab us wherever you can on the Internet. Seriously, you can't throw a stick and not hit us. We'll answer these questions live on the show. So your engagement and your curiosity make our discussions even more enriching. So stay connected, keep learning, and let's continue this journey together. And then I will see you Wednesday if I don't speak with you before. You have a wonderful day, and thank you very much for letting me co-host with you once a week. Are you kidding? I begged. I was like, Ben, when you said <laughs> When you said, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe co-hosting. I was like, me, me, pick me. You couldn't see me, but my hand was up in the air going, me, pick me. So here we are. Thank goodness she picked me. Of course, I was going to, you know, raise a stink if he didn't. So there is that. So anyway, it was easier, I was, it was easier to pick you than face your wrath. <laughs> there you go. See, you do know me. All right. I will talk with you next week. Tell Gigi hi, and let's go forth and make all kinds of people very excited about sales and, you know, business. Have a great day. You too, Ben. Talk to you later. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.